If left to his natural instincts, a child meets every living creature with a mixture of shyness and bright interest. He becomes an enemy of the wild, learning to frighten and harry and kill, not from nature, but from the evil example of his elders. From William L. Long, a minister and naturalist, 1857 to 1952. Hello everyone, I'm Rob McCall and this is the Awanaja Almanac, devoted to feeling at home in nature and breaking down the wall of hostility between us and the rest of creation. This is the Almanac for November 13th to 20th, 2020, uh, the new beaver moon. Listen to those beavers howl. And here are some natural events for this quarter moon. At this season, there are very few sights to entertain the eye and few sounds to fill the heart more fully than those of a flock of Canada geese, Branta canadensis, flying south for the winter. First comes the faint sound of honking through the trees. Then the vanguard of the V appears overhead, massive wings beating, webbed feet tucked up tight, long necks stretched eagerly ahead. And then it widens out into two long parade lines, and we can hear the rush of wings through the honking of the dark flyers. The performance is so mythic that it may awaken our own latent migratory urges, so we want to rise and join the flock, coursing over the orange and the yellow hills. From the geese, we derive lessons in navigation, courage, cooperation, and leadership. It's said that the bird at the head of the V takes turns with other members of the flock. If the head bird gets tired or wavers or wanders off course, another bird will move up to take its place in a change of leadership for the sake of the flock. How it's decided who will take over in this peaceful transfer of power is something we do not know. They can't fight for first position because they're on the wing, and a smooth flight is essential, lest the flock be endangered. And then when it gets tired, the new leader drops back and another takes its place. Somehow that leader must know when to press ahead and when to bring the flock down for food, water, and rest at various rest places along the way. Many of these are traditional and have been used for years during migrations. If you have a farm pond and large lawns, you probably know this firsthand. And in this ancient way, thousands of Canada geese make their way south for the cold months, and then north again in the spring. So here's a field and forest report with a little quiz question for you amateur naturalists. While Canada geese may be the largest migrating animals we're likely to see these days, what might be the smallest? Tick-tock, tick-tock. Time's up. A candidate for the smallest migrating animal you're likely to see would be the woolly apple aphid. Ariosoma lanigerum, 
on recent warm days, you might have seen a tiny white tuft of something floating by. It looks a little like a stray snowflake or a seed of some sort. But it is the aforementioned aphid. The woolly tuft the aphid forms out of a waxy substance protects it against predators and pesticides. So it's a tough little bug. So how much damage can a tiny aphid do to a huge apple tree? Gathered by the thousands and working for months or years, it can weaken or even kill the tree by also letting in other pathogens. At this time of the year, it's migrating to its winter host, which is usually the American elm. But if there are no elms around, it will take up residence on another fruit tree, peach, plum, cherry, or mountain ash. This might be an interesting story for an entomologist, but we won't expect the woolly apple aphid to dethrone the Canada goose as our most charismatic migratory animal anytime soon. And here's a rank opinion. As the election frenzy subsides like an outgoing tide, let's look at the predictions of disaster and see how they fared. Did armed and angry supporters of the incumbent intimidate voters or drive them away from the polls? Apparently not. Did supporters of the challenger cheat by submitting lots of phony ballots? The courts will decide this, but there seems to be no evidence of widespread fraud. Did the U.S. Postal Service collapse under the weight of mail-in ballots? It did not. Were people afraid or unable to vote? It was the highest turnout in history, both candidates getting more votes than any prior presidential candidate. For this remarkable record, we can thank thousands upon thousands of Americans whose only goal was to run a free and fair election, who kept their heads down, focused on the job at hand, and carried it off with grace. We're greatly relieved and grateful to them all. And finally, one little seed pod to carry around with you from William Shakespeare, 1564 to 1616. That time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few do hang upon those boughs which shake against the cold, bare ruined choirs where late the sweet birds sang. the almanac for this quarter moon but don't take it from me go out and see for yourself <laughs>